right? Uh, there was a flyer on your seat or the seat next to you when you came in, and, and uh, we just want to remind you about a, a topic of prayer um, that this week is Sanctity of Human Life Week. And this is an important topic for our culture and for many individuals. And uh, uh, this week, I had a, an, an unexpected encounter with a young lady who works at Possibilities Pregnancy Center in, in Centralia, and uh, she just shared a couple of stories with me about times that people were seeking a solution, wandered into the wrong building, and, um, which really means the right building, and, and heard good news. And um, I think our prayers make a difference. Let's just take a minute and pray about the unborn. Can we do that? Lord, in doing this, we speak to you about your daughters who have decisions to make in particular, not just the daughters, but God, we pray that, um, that something of heaven's hope and promise would sit upon hearts and that this wouldn't be just a decision of expediency for the, for the women of our community, but instead it would be something that would be touched by heaven. Protect the little children, we pray, and show us how to do this as a culture. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. So that, that's this week. Uh, okay, so today... 19th, here's the proverb of the day. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purposes of the Lord that will stand. That's a good one. I love that one. I, I, every once in a while, I'll bring a second proverb, and today I'm going to, because these are now... now this, African proverbs are simply African proverbs. They're not scriptures, but they're kind of fun. So here's an African proverb to go with that one. In the court of chickens, the cockroach never wins his case. <laughs> There's something true about human life in that. <laughs> so we're in week three of our series, Finding Your Identity in God. And today, um, we're going to take a, another swipe at the topic of insecurity. We, we were there last week looking at it in Moses' life. Um, and, you know, are there any multitaskers here? I know probably virtually everybody is anymore just afraid to raise our hand in church because, you know, the guy up front might pull a... Anyway, so, I mean, I, I just cannot watch TV anymore. I'd like to watch TV. Um, it used to be, uh, Lisa and I don't presently subscribe to cable just because there isn't any cable where we are, but there's plenty of other things. And it, it used to be that when I had just plain simple cable, I really never watched a program because I had to check and see if there wasn't something better on somewhere else. And after you get through all 380 different channels, it's another time slot anyway. But now, <laughs> but now when I do sit down and watch something that's just continuous like a movie or something, you know, the problem is I'm distracted by my phone. I'm talking on my phone. Plus, I've got my iPad out. And if I'm watching a movie, I'm also going to IMDb to check out these stories. And then there's Wikipedia to find out the true thing there. And then there's Amazon. And, of course, there's YouTube videos. I mean, I, I have to go to bed to rest. <laughs> really? It's multitasking culture. I think probably all of you are learning skills to do more than one thing at a time. More than two, more than three. It goes on all the time. And, you know, you're, as I describe this... You're saying, Terry, you're sick. And I'm saying, well, okay, pot calling the kettle black. So, um, I mean, it's a strength in some ways, but in other ways, it's, uh, it's a weakness. And, you know, every week when I um, get alone with the Lord and I'm spending this time in my study and wherever I happen to be um, to prepare for this moment, to study and prepare, um, you know, my Mr. Multitasker has his problems with these rabbit trails that start going on. And sometimes where I feel like I'm, what I'm going to do is just kind of, you know, okay, that's been a good pasture, but we've kind of munched that grass down to the nub. Let's move to another pasture because it looks really green over there. And um, uh, as I was studying 
for last week's message, which was on insecurity, I had a sense then that, that we were going to spend more than one week in that pasture, so to speak. And um, so I, I just really feel like the Lord says, I want you to slow down and don't be in a real hurry to leave this. So we're going to continue on that topic. Um, and I, I just think that we need to allow a little bit more time on insecurity. So let's pray. Lord, as we get into your word again, we pray that, um, of course, it'll be you, your word that gets in there, that, that, that by the Holy Spirit, you will penetrate our hearts, Lord, that, that you'll help us conquer insecurity, because, Lord, it causes so much damage. It holds us back. And, and for your children, for, for those who are so greatly loved, Lord, it just should not be. It just should not be. So give us, Lord, a greater depth of insight, a, a spirit of understanding, and reach even more deeply down into our lives and root out insecurity, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've been in Exodus for this series, um, finding your identity in God, and um, of course Moses has been our crash test dummy, and he will be again. The first week we, we discovered that you can't really know who you are until you know who God is. You just can't do that, and, and, and I hope that you're grasping that truth because that is the key that unlocks the door to overcoming insecurity. Um, God is the great I am. He is, he, is, he is the I am. He is the Lord. Moses is learning some really, um, really, really important lessons about who he is. So last week, as we talked about insecurity, we defined it, insecurity as this. My awareness of the gap between who I want to be and who I am right now. You know, in many, many, I'm going to say everybody has insecurity in some areas of their life. Everybody does. And we don't, want, you know, we're pretty good and we really don't want people to know that we're insecure, right? We don't want them to know that. But come on, we know you're insecure, right? Because we all are. They're there. Those issues are there. And we cover it up in different ways. Some people just kind of power up over the top and act hyper-confident and overreact. And all, all the while behind that, some sort of massive insecurity. And then other people go to the other end of the spectrum and they become really, really passive and uh, they pull back. You know, I, I, if I can't win, I'm, I just don't care. And um, it's when I have an awareness of this gap between what I am, what my present capabilities are, and what the situation demands. I mean, I, I can feel it at work. I, I can feel it as a father. I can feel it as a husband. I can feel it as a Christian. I can feel it as a wife. Um, this gap between what I need to be and what I am. That's insecurity, and that's what Moses was feeling. So I want to get back into the text where we were last time and review this same passage again, because here's this incredible passage that God has said to Moses, I've got an assignment for you. So here we go, uh, Exodus 3, verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And... Um, the very first type of insecurity we see here is his first response, and maybe it's easier than what I called it last time. Let's, let's just call this behavior insecurity. Verse 1, then Moses, chapter 4, verse 1, then Moses, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they'll say, the Lord did not appear to you. He didn't talk to you, Moses. No way. And so why is Moses feeling this way? Well, it's because he had a past, and there's a reason for his insecurity. It doesn't come from nowhere. Insecurity comes from somewhere, right? And so Moses' insecurities related to his past. He was a murderer. And, um, you know, I guess that kind of history might hang over you, right? I mean, I don't know if we got any murderers here or not. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but, but that sin and a lot of other sins will just kind of hang like a cloud. We pull them around on a leash sometimes. And they float along with us. And, um, but you can be forgiven a sin like that, right? 
I mean, you can be forgiven any sin. There's no sin beyond the reach of our king. I'm glad about that. So, but sometimes we don't live by that truth. Instead, we feel this gap, and so was Moses. Now, I'm thinking Moses was probably the kind of guy that when he would hear the words kill, murderer, killer, run for your lives, those kinds of words probably triggered something in him. You know, whether it was relevant to him in the circumstances, he probably was feeling singled out and exposed or something. And they probably reminded him of his failures, his past, his behavior. And he starts thinking, well, who am I? I mean, if people really know what I did, if, if people really knew where I've been, they'd have nothing to do with me. You know, um, I, I can't be thinking about something God wants me to do. I, 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 I've done some awful things. And some of us here might have that exact same response to some of the stuff in our here, in history. You know, you, you've done some things, you've, 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 you've made some mistakes, you've You've, you've got some darkness in your background. And maybe your parents don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe your spouse doesn't know. Maybe your, small, maybe your best friends don't know these things, but you know it. And your adversary, Satan, knows it and brings it up at every opportunity that he can. You know, I've heard this saying, you know, when, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Sounds really cute. It's a cute idea. I don't recommend that. By the way, as a pastor, I would never suggest that you somehow get into a dialogue with the, with the Prince of Darkness. There, there's no reason for us to talk to him. He's, first off, he's not omnipresent. He's om, not omniscient. He, he, he's not God's opponent. He's more like an opponent of one of the other angels. But the point is, why would we even get into a dialogue with that guy? Don't, don't know. But, but that's exactly what he does, and that's exactly what the, 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 his forces would do. And he was doing it to Moses, and he does it to me, and he does it to you. you know, he throws our past up into our faces, and he says, you can't do anything for God. And he says, you know what it is. And then he kind of grinds us under his feet, and he just does that to us. So, so we feel this gap, and that's where Moses was, and that's behavior insecurity. So if you have behavior insecurity, I got four R words for you and, uh, about overcoming behavior insecurity. Now, by the way, you may have heard these R words in a sermon before. If you've been in this church any length of time, you have. If you've been into another church for any length of time, you probably have too. And so if you have these four words, great. Um, if you already have these, I'm sorry to bore you for the next few minutes, except to say, are you doing these four R words? And if you are, are you training other people? Who are the other people that you're training to do? Anyway, okay, so covered that. So the first R word is repent. You know, if you, if you have behavior insecurity, the big thing that God wants to to fill your heart with is a sense of forgiveness. And that's not coming until you repent. Amen. <laughs> Even the cars agree. So repent is this great, great word. You see it all through the Old Testament. It was on the lips of every Old Testament prophet. It was on, uh, on the lips of the apostles. Um, Repent, you know, good morning, welcome to Crossroads Church. Repent! You know, kind of mean, that's, the word is <laughs> maybe not quite that intense, um, you know. But do you really understand how much good flows your way with one sincere, contrite admission of the failures in your life? I mean, I'm talking about an honest admission of your own error. But totally 
blocking that, that flow of, of blessing in your life is this refusal, this, this refusal to see your own, own error and repent of it. And, 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 and when we repent, this kind of like this dam bursts open and, and grace just kind of comes gushing down the valley and washes over the top of us. And it's just, repent, it's a great word. It's a great word. Isaiah says this, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God, God wants to wash, wash you. He wants to wash away those feelings of insecurity because of your failures. But you have to repent. You've got to repent. Well, Terry, I think I've repented. I, I think I have. Not, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I think I have. Okay, so here's a way to know. That's the second R word, restitution. Restitution. Acts 3 um, says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And John the Baptist taught about the topic, too. Here's what he said. Produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. Produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. You, know, you don't have to wonder whether you've repented. You can know whether you've repented. You don't have to wonder whether it's an apple tree. You just wait till the fall and look. Does it have apples on it, Right? You don't have to wonder if a Christian has repented. Just look for the fruit of repentance. The fruit of repentance could be all kinds of things. Here's a couple of them. One of the fruits of repentance is an open confession of sin. I mean, I don't try to hide it anymore. I'm not denying it. Another one is this absence of rationalization. You know, it's an absence of blame shifting. And one of the biggest fruits of repentance is, is this important word, restitution. You know, I'm going to make it right with the people that my sin has injured. I, I shouldn't have cheated on my spouse, and, and, and they're hurt, and they're angry, and it's a massive barrier to our relationship, and I'm sorry. Are you? Because have you really gone and humbled yourself and sought forgiveness? Restitution seeks to make it right with the person or persons that my sin has injured. You know, I asked my son to forgive me. I asked my sister to forgive me. I asked my boss to forgive me. You know, I was wrong. I did something. I, I, I gave it back. I lied, but I set the record straight. I, I cheated, but I, but I stopped, and, and uh, I cut out the opportunity to sin again in my life. Restitution. Zacchaeus is kind of like the, the poster boy in the New Testament of, of restitution. He was a tax collector, notoriously evil people. They manipulated. They stole more than they were. You know, they, they became very rich by... by taking advantage of people with taxes. And he had one day where he encountered Jesus on the street face to face. And he said, oh, I, 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 I'm a bad guy. And I've done some stuff to some people and I've taken a lot of pe money from people that wasn't mine to take. And I, I'm not, I don't even know. I've taken so much of their money. I don't even know how much I've stolen from them. So what I'm going to do, Lord, I'm going to give back four times what I think I did just to make sure I, I, I just want to be right with God. I'm, I'm going to make sure. I just want to be in right place with God. That's the heart of a, of a person who um, is trying to get that squared away, who's really repentant. Okay, uh, repent, restitution. Third R word is resolve. You know, you resolve not to do it again. Resolve. I'm going to make it harder to sin. I'm going to make it harder for myself. I'm, I'm going to block access to that. I'm going to avoid that situation. I'm going to establish some accountability. I'm going to give some people the opportunity to ask them to ask me the right questions. I mean, I don't want to live in total isolation anymore. That's, by the way, that's, that's Satan's typical continuing strategy. He, he, he disguises and um, he divides and, and then he destroys. 
he comes as a, he dis, he disguises he comes as an angel of light, and then he he gets us isolated by ourselves, and then he, he then he takes us down, D- disguise, divide, and destroy. That's that's the enemy. So if if you want to if you want to get to a different place in regard to all of that, put guardrails in your life. Guardrails, um, we have them around here, not because for example the pastoral team here has guardrails that you know are something that. I've said, you know, this is how we're going to operate. Not because I don't trust them, but because I think it's wise to have guardrails. So you won't ever see me having an appointment with a woman who is not my wife by myself. Do you follow what I'm saying? If I'm going to have an appointment with a woman, a ministry appointment, there will be someone else present. No exceptions. If you see me with someone who's not my wife, it's probably my daughter. I love going out for, with my... It's time for us to have another date, Rachel. Yeah, she says, that's good. Dad takes me out for ice cream when we go. So that started when she was little. <laughs> but, but it's good to have guardrails that you build and, and put up in your life. So, so guardrails. Okay, repent, restitution, res- resolve, and then receive. Receive the grace of God. It just flows so freely. Receive that. There's no reason in the universe for a, fo- a follower of Jesus to be living under um, behavior insecurity. I mean, that's what the cross is all about. That's what the resurrection is all about. It, it's almost a, a mockery of, of Christ's finished work if we don't press through to the point of, of wiping out behavior insecurity through repentance and, and restitution resolve and, and receiving that God, what God gives. And I think if you, a, lot of, a lot of you have already done this and um, you know, um, you're probably ongoingly doing this, but there's this obvious question that I would want to bring us back to the scripture. Was Moses forgiven? Obviously. Of course he was. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. You should get up and stop letting the enemy drag you through your past. And in the grace of God, be released from the insecurity that results from, but I murdered somebody so long ago. So I ran and I hid in the desert. Instead, okay, I'm forgiven and now God has, has, has steps for me to take. He has some place he wants me to go and something he wants me to Okay, number one, behavior insecurity. Number two, talent insecurity. Talent. Uh, verse 10, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent. sounds eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. He's saying, I don't have it, God. I just don't have it, you know, what this situation needs. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm I'm not strong enough. He felt this gap. Situation is calling for something I don't have, God. You know, and what was that exactly? You know, was it physical did he have a physical, did he have an emotional problem? Was it a psychological problem? Was he nervous? And the text doesn't really tell us. But it was something in his ability to communicate. And to Moses, it was a huge deal. It was a big deal to Moses. And he decided that because of this, this problem, that he wasn't suitable for what God wanted him to do. And we learn from the text that that's not the way it was at all. But we understand, that, we understand what it is to feel that, right? To experience that. Talent insecurity. Colossians 3.23, chart challenges it. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. What God is really saying here is, come on, effort. This is, he's talking here about effort, effort. 
It's a lot less about talent and a lot more about effort. Many people foolishly believe and they want to attribute success to ability or opportunity or at the right time at the right place or, um, you know, lucky break. And, and we see something successful and we think, well, they came out of the womb that way. Uh-uh. That's just not accurate. While God is getting ready to do um, some awesome things through your life, He's making you spiritually fit to receive what you're going to receive by some hard work. Effort, effort, you know. Raising kids isn't like baking cookies. <laughs> you don't just put in the ingredients, shove it in the oven, and come back when they're adults. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, uh, having a healthy family is not like putting the ingredients in a bowl and just add water. It's day by day effort, work, 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 Right? It takes decades. And uh, I mean, I've made at least my share of mistakes in life. I, at least my share. Some of yours. I've got some of your share too, I can tell you. But, but I hope that, that you know, what, what he says here, he says, okay, so behavior insecurity, talent insecurity. The third one is personal insecurity because verse 13, Moses says, oh my Lord, please send somebody else. And I, I'm anticipating that, and I'm thinking, okay, with all my mistakes, I, I still hope I never get to that place. I've been there. God, I don't want to send somebody else. First time somebody said, here's a microphone, go stand in front of those people and say something. You can write it out for me. I'm still going to melt when I get in front of people. I mean, the very, I send somebody else. I learned a long time ago not to say to God, I will never do this, God. Really, Terry? Let's find out. Although I am insistent, I will never live in Hawaii, God. I'll let you know if that works. It didn't work on my mom and dad, I can tell you that much. Okay. And I, but I just hope that that would never really sincerely be my thing. Um, I, I loved your transparency to say this morning to share that you came and you hid for a while. And um, yet the truth is that your heart was ready and, and the Lord had a plan. Um, I'm talking to our worship leader who, who admitted to you today that he came to church and he hid for a while, which I think is common. I think sometimes we just got to have some time where you pull off the racetrack into the pits and you get new tires and new gasoline, right? And that's okay. God understands that. He provides. He's the God of the pits too. I, that's a racing term, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Moses was at that place where he said, God, I, I don't want to do this. And he was literally refusing to do what God wanted him to do. And the reason for his insecurity, you think about why was he insecure? I can't. They won't believe me. I don't talk good. Get somebody else, God. Why? 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 Why was that? I, I think it was, you know, who knows? Was it, was it because he was adopted? You know, he was adopted. Was it because he was raised by people that weren't his parents? Was it because he lived this life of luxury, going out the gate, um, giving all kinds, being given all kinds of things that he didn't earn and maybe didn't deserve? We don't know. And we don't really need to psychoanalyze him. But we know this. He really felt this. And, uh, you know, I think an awful lot of our insecurity is related to things that we've been through. <laughs> 
We don't know what it was for him. I don't know what it has been for you. And when you're there, it doesn't really matter what people say to you. It's what you feel in your heart, and that's the battlefield right there. And it doesn't matter how many times people say to you, you're beautiful. If you don't feel beautiful, you're just not beautiful. It's a pattern of thinking. Attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a very long period of time. Whatever your attitudes are, positive or negative, good or bad, thankful or, or ungrateful, whatever your attitudes are, you've formed those over a, a long period of time. And if you have personal insecurity related to something like this, then you have to start to think right about that for a long time before you can stop your wrong thinking about that. And this is a big issue for people. Um, so let's talk how to experience not the gap, but God in the gap. You tracking with me? Okay, well, how to experience that? I mean, how do I experience God filling that place in my life where so often I feel the awareness that I'm just not what I need to be? Okay, first one, this will be ABC. First one, A, A, accept. Accept the flaws that you cannot change as part of God's purpose for you, accept. Moses said, I'm not a very good talker. Accept it, Moses. Yeah, I'm God. I knew that about you. you didn't, you're not informing me about something. I knew that right before I picked you. That was part of the plan. Verse 11, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who made you, Moses? You know, and, and, and this is a word for some people sitting in this room today, some people hearing this message. You have certain feelings about yourself physically, maybe emotionally, or, or feelings about you know, where you came from, the home of your origin, you know, the settings, the parents, or whatever, or about all kinds of things that, that were not caused by you. Now, if it's caused by you, repent, okay? <laughs> but, but, that's what I'm, but I'm talking about the way, if it's not caused by you, and you still feel this insecurity about that, the Lord is saying to you, who made you? Who made you? You were born in the home that God ordained for you to be born in. But Terry, you have no idea of what I've been through. Well, that's true. But God saved you out of it, right? He did. And, and his grace has become awesome in your life because of what he saved you out of. Man, that's an awesome thing about being a Christian. You know, I mean, even my errors in judgment, my, 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 my foolishness, my weaknesses, when I get into partnership with God, <laughs> he's able to work all things for good to the glory of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things, including the mistakes that got us to where we are. To know that God can take the mistakes that I've made, my, my errors in judgment, and if, 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 <laughs> you know, if we were to say, hey, how many of us have things in our past that if we could go back, we would change? I, I don't know, hands, everybody's hand probably would go up. You can't go back, but you can go forward in God's grace, and, and you can trust in his sovereignty. It's awesome. So accept the things that you cannot change as part of God's purpose for you. Quit believing the hellish lie that God made a mistake in the way he made you. It's just hellish lie. It's just not true. Maybe you've heard of the serenity prayer. I know probably a lot of you have. 
was written by um, an American preacher back in the 1930s, and uh, it was published in the Book of Prayers and Services that was used by the arm, Armed Forces in the 40s, and AA picked it up around in the early 40s, and it's now being used in a lot of 12-step programs. Um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to th- change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. N- not grieving the things I cannot change. Change the stuff that I can change. Accept the things that I can't change and the wisdom to know. What a great prayer that is. Accept the things that I can't change. B, build your God story a chapter at a time. Just do it a little steps at a time. You don't have to climb Mount Everest today. Little steps at a time. And here are some common steps. Um, when I was first trying to build my own stories and um, brand new as a Christian and trying to figure out all this faith stuff, I, I, I immersed myself in stories about other people, God's, what God had done in other people's lives. You know? Most Christians don't always have the faith that they have later. I mean, they, they grow and we grow in our faith. You know, start by reading about other people's stories. If that's where you are, start there. Then graduate to your own little stories, you know, your own experiences with God, something where he answered some prayer of provision or, or a little something. These little prayers, um, choose to trust the Lord and tell him, Lord, I trust you and, and I'm walking forward and I don't see what's going on, but little ways and you'll see him showing up. And then over time, you're going to get lots of little stories and you're going to get this growing list of little stories. And I've, I've got lots of little stories and, and only though after I had lots of little stories did I ever really get into some really big stories, you know. I mean, I've, I, I th- I've shared before some of my big stories. One of my biggest stories was when, uh, and this was all medically proven, when our daughter Rachel was diagnosed um, with an incurable form of epilepsy that they said would change her whole life. And I don't know how old she was, five or six, little, little girl. And uh, we just maintained, and the Lord said, I'm healing her, and he healed her, and it was verified medically, the impossible. And neurologists were scratching their heads and we were just giving God glory. That's part of my story. My, that's one of my stories of my experience with God. Rachel shares that story. Lisa shares that story. And I'm telling you, when you experience some of those big, great, big stories, you have big things happen in your faith. And more big stories come along. They do. And, and build your God story one chapter at a time. Just, just like the miracles that the Lord did for Moses. You know. <laughs> Man, he was doing some stuff there. You know, the burning bush, the, um, uh, the serpent on the ground, the, the leprous hand, the, the river turning to blood. Moses is learning some God stories. Are you? Are you learning some God stories? Do you have a growing record of, of stories of where the Lord is intervening in your life? Are, are you resting on those stories? Are you, you know, for greater faith, greater victories in, in, in where you're going in the, in the future. Okay, so to um, conquer insecurity, A, accept the flaws that you have. B, build your God story a chapter at a time. C, concentrate on God, not the gap. You know, if, if, you read, if you're reading this passage, you get to verse 14, you find out that God's kind of angry, and um, you know, he said, I'm going to be with you. I'll be with your mouth. I'll, be, I'll do this. I'm going to bring Aaron. God is the answer here. God's the answer. It's God. Concentrate on God, not the gap. Lisa and I used to live on a little lake in Olympia, and um, it was a lovely little setting. Um, there was, it was a big enough lake to enjoy lake stuff, but small enough there was no motors and so forth. And one of the problems we had um, on that lake was um, 
these flying rats called Canada geese. <laughs> They're really beautiful if they have not landed and come into your backyard. So the Homeowners Association there, we had this deal um, because there was a couple of parks on, on the lake and um, they were owned by the people in the community. And we had a problem because the, the Canada geese would come flying wherever they were going, I guess in spring, I guess they're going south, they're looking for someplace to go, hey, there's a great, let's go there. And they would come swooping in in their great big old V. Sorry if you like Canada geese, okay? Um, but you'll understand why I have the feelings that I do. Anyway, they would come in and they would land. And if they liked where they were, they would hang out for a while and they would actually molt. They would lose some of their feathers. And then they couldn't, um, they couldn't fly for a while. But what they could do is produce babies and poo, okay? <laughs> Not in that order. And so... <laughs> So um, they, the, the Homeowners Association had this group. We had this, <laughs> we had this license from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to buy these products called bird bangers. I said, can I sign up for that? Okay, so ba a bird banger is basically a starter pistol. You know, racetrack, bang, everybody go for the 100-yard dash. So it's a little pistol. You can't shoot bullets out of it, but it had a big hollowed-out end in it, and you put a 22 blank in it, so it actually fired a 22 and went bang, and the sparks from that 22 went up through the tunnel, and then there was this little sleeve at the top in which you inserted a cartridge. This was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, the cartridge would ignite, and it would propel itself up out of the um, barrel, not like a bullet, but you know, like you could throw about that fast. And it would go about 150 feet, and then there was this explosion somewhere between the loudest firecracker you get, but not quite an M80, okay? <laughs> Pretty serious bang. And um, the, the lake was, um, there was a few of us scattered around the lake. So we had a license and we had the product. And we'd be sitting, minding our own business, and you'd hear this. Some of you, I can see, you're getting a mad on about this. Anyway, so they'd be coming in, and you could hear them coming. Wah, 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 you know, the thing, that noise, that barking thing they do in the sky. And then um, they'd land, you'd think, you've got to get out there now. And there's got to be a couple people, because the lake was far enough that if I could scare them in front of me, they'd fly and land on the other side. And I did it enough times that if, if I fired out there and scared them, that I, I learned that it would take an orbit to an orbit and a half before they could clear the trees, because there's big trees. So if you were really good and fortunate, you could scare them, <laughs> and they would make a whole orbit before, and you could get a second shot in. <laughs> and if you were really fortunate, you could time your second shot, they would go up and you'd have a burst right in the middle of the formation. Okay, and I remember doing that successfully the very first time and realizing what happens when they're scared. <laughs> and that's the picture that came to mind when I started thinking, what is it that people do when they focus on the wrong thing? You keep focusing on the wrong problem and it keeps dropping a load on your life. Too much, honey? <laughs> Instead, get your eyes on the Lord, on God, not on the gap. Eh, that's lost, okay, move on. <laughs> Instead of powering up over it and acting like it's not a problem, when it really is, it doesn't solve the problem. The other, ex the other extreme is to become passive. Um, I just don't care anymore, and we just give up when we get passive because it just hurts too much. And, and these issues are not just male or female. They're not. We all encounter this. You might 
tend to think and presuppose that men tend to power up over the top and women become passive. But I'm here to tell you it's the opposite. Women, because of the curse, you could study this in Genesis chapter 3, they tend, if they feel insecure, they tend to power up over it. They get too controlling, they get too dominant, they get too, too, too chatty. First Peter 3 has a lot to say about this. Women tend to get up over the top to take control. Men, men tend to get passive. Well, okay, I just don't care. I'm going to go out with the boys. This doesn't matter to me. Don't talk to me about this. And, um, you know, the, the Bible doesn't actually have the term, the word insecurity in it. It just gives lots and lots of examples of, the, of it happening. You know, obviously, Moses is dealing with it. He's really insecure. Peter tried walking on the water, and he, he did some kind of somewhat successful. But then, you know, Lord, save me. And, and Peter felt the gap um, about what he needed to be um, to, to walk with Jesus. And, and he knew what he was. Paul. Paul even dealt with insecurity. Um, he was dealing with the Corinthian church. Here's what the Corinthians said about him in 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. His letters are mighty, but his presence is weak, and his speech is despicable. That's what Paul was dealing with. Do you suppose that didn't cause him to feel insecurity? It did, but eventually he responded to that. Here's how he responded to that. To me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human being. The one who judges me is God. That's the whole thing about maximizing your focus on what God thinks and minimizing your focus on what people think. This, this subject comes up very frequently in Scripture, and it's not going to go away by itself because it's a tool our enemy uses against, against us. Let's pray. God, um, so many times our insecurities block our progress. Things that we've done that we need to repent of, talents and abilities that we see that we don't have, Lord, forgive us as, for using that as an excuse to lay back and help us, Lord, not to get to the place where when we call you, you say, find somebody else. You, you promised us in, in, in the word, in, in Romans 8, all things will work together for those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. Let, that be, let us be in that group, Lord, called according to your purposes. Wash over us, Lord, with grace and mercy and cause the people here who maybe are at their weakest, Lord, to, to feel and sense your embrace, God, your love, the fact that we're deeply loved because we are. Thank you for it, Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet as we have.